I'm going to be talking about today, the question, why and how does God bless us? Someone wrote in and asked that question. I'll read their question to you in just a moment. It's a solid question. I'll, I'll share it with you, and then I'll answer it the best that I can. Perhaps you have a question for me. You're welcome to ask it. There are a couple of ways that you can do that. One, you can just jump on our website, jump on our forums. We have a free community forum that's accessible to anybody who has uh, who can get on the internet. You need your username and password, and if you have that, you're logged in, and then ask your question. For those of you who support our ministry financially, I want you to go to our private forum, and you can ask your question there. It can be anything under the sun. We would love to interact with you and help you the best we can. Maybe you have a question like this person here that you want to ask, that you want me to work it out in a podcast. I would love to consider that. You can put it on the forum and say, hey, Rick, would you would you work up a podcast, a 30-minute show for this question? I would love to hear your, your answer to that. Or if you want, if it's a podcast question, you can hit the Contact Us feature at the bottom of our website. Just hit Contact Us, and you can put it in there and, and just make it brief, and you can also flatten it out. You don't, I don't need names or, or places. You can just give me the meat of it, give me the point that you're trying to make without the names in it. Just flatten it out, and that would be great. Ask your question, and I would love to consider that. As I, as I have done here with this question, why and how does God bless us. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Your Daily Drive drops three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you don't have our updates, you can go to the right-hand side of our website in the in the column, and you can fill in the box there and the area where you can get free updates, and that way you won't ever miss anything that's happening with our ministry. All right, let me ask this question, and or let me share with you what the question questioner asked me. Why and how does God bless us? Here it is. I was wondering if God treats his people the same way regarding giving blessing for obedience. That's the formula that they're asking about. Blessing for obedience. It seems all over the, the Old Testament, if God's people obey, they receive a blessing. I'm sure you have read that many times in the Old Testament. And then the converse is also true. If they don't obey, they receive discipline. The question is, does God still treat us this way after Christ came, is there still a blessing for obedience? The question continues, I know this is probably a weird question, but I never seem to be able to keep it straight in my mind. For example, I had been listening to a sermon, sermon series on suffering, which is wonderful, and the preacher confessed that he had caught himself wondering that what their church is doing right for God is why he is blessing it so much lately. You see the formula there? We're doing things right, and God is blessing us. The questioner continues to say, he indicated, the preacher did, that he shouldn't be thinking that way. And I was wondering if this means that God doesn't bless us according to our obedience. And so there are several angles here to the question that's being asked. Does God bless us for our obedience? Does he always bless us for our obedience? 
Well, I'm going to say sometimes he does, of course, but I'm, I'm going to also say that we receive blessing for our disobedience too. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But here's my, here's my response to the question, asker. Your question is critical and relevant, especially in our day where there is so much teaching that comes across as Christian get-rich schemes. It is so prevalent today that this kind of indoctrination has a label. You know what that label is, right? The prosperity gospel. People have a, a, a fixed formula in their minds that if you do right, God will bless you. And I, I want to say as clearly as I can say, that is a, it's a false, false doctrine. It is a problematic doctrine, and it can shipwreck you if you hold to it in lockstep because it just is not true, no matter what people tell you. One of the most famous proponents of this kind of teaching is Joel Osteen, who wants you to know that you can have your best life now. Now, I agree that Christians should have an incredibly abundant life. I do not agree that your best experience on earth is necessarily health and wealth. Let me take you to the gospel. Christ's best experience on earth, the experience that God willed for him to have, was not health or wealth but yet he spread the fame of God in the most effective way. But let me give you some other illustrations. Lazarus was a man who effectively glorified the Father by being sick and eventually dying. Did you hear that? Lazarus' best life of glorifying God the Father was by being sick and dying. His death experience was part of the Father's plan for him you read this in John 11, 14, 15. It says this, Then Jesus told them plainly. He's talking to Mary and Martha here. And they were struggling because their brother Lazarus was dying, and he did die. And they wanted Jesus to get a move on because they wanted Lazarus to have his best life now. But Jesus told them plainly, quote, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there so that you might believe. But let us go to him. The man born blind was another example of a person who magnified the name of God through physical disability. The Pharisees struggled with the idea of his blindness for the very reason that is being brought up in this question that's being asked for, of me. They assumed his disability was because of sin. You disobey, and you are punished. Now, while it is true that this man was a sinner, and it is true that his blindness was a product of the fall of Adam, there's no question that his blindness was a product of sin. He was born in Adam. It was his blindness, however, that brought glory to God. There is always a story behind the story. When you hear the story, just remember, there's a story behind the story. The irony here, the Pharisees could not see what the blind man could see. We learn this in John 9, 3. Jesus answered, quote, 
It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. That is the story behind the story. Much blessing came forth from this blind man. And we're receiving that blessing today as we are being reminded of this story all over again. And then there is Joseph. His story is an incredible example of the empowering grace of God working through disappointment to magnify God's great name. The story behind the story of Joseph was God's desire to use this obedient servant to rescue his people. And you know the famous bottom line statement, 5020. Joseph said, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. The story behind the story. We see three people here. Lazarus dying. Bad things are happening to Lazarus so God could be glorified. The man born blind, horrific condition, physical condition, but yet it stumped the Pharisees because they could not see. And then Joseph experienced many horrible events because God had a promised seed in Genesis 3.15. Through Joseph's line, the Savior of the world was coming to redeem whosoever will. And of course, all of this, all of this kind of thinking does direct our attention to the gospel. The Savior was a man of sorrows who was acquainted with a lot of grief the path he walked was by the Father's design because you and I needed regeneration. God knew the human dilemma, so he provided a sacrifice as the way of salvation. Isaiah 53.3 says it this way, Jesus, he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Yes, it is true. God blesses, blesses us when we are obedient. There is no doubt that blessings can flow when we walk upright before him. However, it is not a guarantee or a requirement. We should not be oriented to expect things to always go according to our desires just because we were obedient. It could be that God has other plans for you, which the stories of Lazarus, the blind man, Joseph, the Savior, all four of them articulate they received, they experienced some horrendous things that came into their lives. By any accounting, those were hard things that came into their lives. And, and, and for the sake of this uh, podcast, we're going to say that they were obedient. We know that Christ was. We assume that Lazarus was a good man. The blind man was a good man. Joseph was a good man. The Old Testament doesn't say anything bad about Joseph these were good people doing good things, but they did not experience health and wealth. We should always be obedient, 
but we must guard our hearts against thinking that that God is obligated to meet all our requests according to how we think he should meet them. Here's the real cliche that you want to say. Prosperity and suffering is your best life now. Truly, that is your best life that you can have. Mixing prosperity, the abundant life, the joy unspeakable, full of glory, being filled with the Holy Spirit, having a relationship with God Almighty, that's prosperity. You mix that with suffering, as we have learned here in the stories of Lazarus and the blind man, and Joseph and the gospel. And when you mix prosperity and suffering, you will have your best life now. The Father does allow us to suffer, even when we are obedient. Ironically, at times, it is because we are obedient that He permits us to experience suffering. Christians pursuing obedience can be trusted to steward the gift of suffering correctly. Joseph was an excellent choice to walk the path of the Savior to redeem people. Joseph is a mirror. He is a picture of who Christ was. He experienced excruciating suffering because the Lord was going to use what he was permitted in Joseph's life to redeem a people. Christians who pursue, pursue obedience can be trusted to steward the gift of suffering correctly. That's why you want your best soldiers to go into war, because you know that whatever they go through, that they will make right decisions. They can be trusted. In Philippians 1.29, Paul said, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. 1 Peter 2.19 says, For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. While his obedient children may be allowed to go through the crucible of suffering, it is also true that the Father will bless his children in other ways. In such cases, your obedience can lead to different kinds of blessings. I want to share with you two of my my favorite you obey and you will be blessed text. The first verse talks about God providing all we need if we will obey him. The second verse talks about the Father freely forgiving us if we obey him. In Matthew 6.33 But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So in this instance, if you obey, if you seek first the kingdom of God, there is a promise here that these things will be added to you. And then in 1 John 1, 9, there's another blessing for obedience. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How glorious is it to be provided for by our Heavenly Father, seeking first the kingdom of God, and he adds all of these things to our lives. And we can all share testimonies, many testimonies, 
of God's abundant provision in our lives. He is regularly adding things to us, none of which is better than his ongoing forgiveness when we obediently ask for it. It's probably not wise or spiritually healthy for us to focus on what we get or do not get from God. As, we, as you have heard thus far in, in this podcast, there were obedient people who basically died or, or they suffered horrendous hardship because of their obedience. And then we have people who obey, they seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things are added to them. Both of these things are true at the same time. There is much mystery here. And that's why I say it's probably not wise or spiritually healthy for us to focus on what we get or do not get from God. To orient our thinking around this idea of obeying God to have a better life, and you're the interpreter of what a better life means, well, that can wreak havoc on your soul. Lazarus obeyed, and the better life that he received was death than resurrection. Joseph obeyed, and the better life that he received, he never came out of Egypt alive. And then we can obey by seeking the kingdom of God, and God adds blessings to us. We want to be careful how we think about our obedience equals blessing from the Lord, especially when we are the interpreter of what a better life means. So many people do that, I got I, the the Lord wanted me to get married to to this person. I was obedient to the Lord and I married this person and look what I have. Do you see the faultiness in that equation? Maybe the Lord is giving you a life like Lazarus, maybe he's giving you a life like Joseph. I don't know that, but I know that it can happen. I'm not calling that for you, but I know that it can happen. The following is one of the ways I like to pray about blessings, regardless of what kind of kindness it is that the the Lord provides. Here is a prayer of mine that I've used many times. Dear Father, give me the empowering grace to walk in holiness. Give me the empowering grace to accept the path that you choose for me. I realize that sometimes you believe I should glorify you through suffering. I understand. This reality is what you expected from your son. There is no reason not to expect you to think that way about me too. If it takes this kind of path for me to walk down, so be it. I am comfortable with your choices. I only ask that you give me the grace to be content with your decisions for my life, Rick. And that is a prayer that I have prayed many times to the Lord. The Father does not always give us our interpretation of blessing the way we want blessing because we are obedient. But let's flip the coin over. The Father does not always punish us for disobedience. There are times when our Heavenly Father blesses us because of our obedience. Blessings for compliance is one way we can, He can show His kindness to us. But what about this? He blesses us even though we have not been obedient. In such cases, disobedience equals blessings. This kind of thinking explains the gospel. It was because of our disobedience that led to our blessing with God's redeeming love. In Romans 1.8, we see that. You remember Romans 1.8? But God shows His love for us. In that while we were still disobedient, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
We were in rebellion, and God blessed us with the gospel. That is amazing grace. You could think of it this way. Does God discipline or punish you every time you sin? Of course not. Thank God that he does not do that. Let's praise him because he does not. Because of the gospel, he does not give us what we deserve. God may not give you what you want when you are obedient. God may not give you what you deserve when you are disobedient. Both of those things have been true in your life, mine too. These two truths should not frustrate us, but humble us to the point of totally depending on our Father who knows best. Lord, you do the choosing, and I will be happy with your choices. The Father, for reasons he is not obligated to reveal, is choosing to bless the preacher of the church that this individual mentioned. You remember the question that they asked? They said the preacher was wondering, our church is doing so many things right, and God is blessing us. And the preacher went on to say that, well, we... I shouldn't think that way. Because we're doing so many things right, the church is blessing us. What I didn't tell you, and I'll not mention the preacher's name here, but that preacher fell into sin, committed adultery, divorced his wife, remarried again, was defrocked by his organization, by his denomination. And so the irony here is that when the person wrote the question, they assumed that this preacher was in good standing with God, but the preacher was not. Because shortly after this, the preacher not just committed adultery and divorced his wife and married another and was defrocked by his denomination, but those thoughts were already in his heart. He was already having a relationship with another person. His marriage was already in trouble when this question was asked. That's ironic. And so as this preacher was wondering, this preacher was wondering that, well, we're doing so many things right. Is this why God is blessing us? Well, there's more to that story. There was a whole lot wrong with what was going on in this church, specifically in this preacher, and God was still blessing the church. There is much irony, and that's why we don't want to get caught up when, if I'm obedient, one plus one equals two. Not always in God's economy. For reasons he's not obligated to reveal, He's choosing to bless this preacher that this person mentioned. But now we know that the church was not just doing things right. There was evil already working in the preacher's heart. This truth about his goodness is his mercy to the body of believers. And then we ask, is he blessing us because we are obeying? I don't think that that is the right question to be asking How about if you say that God is blessing that ministry? He's just blessing that ministry. Honestly, that is all we know. That is all we need to know. God is not obligated to tell us why he is blessing that ministry or why he is blessing you or why he is blessing me. Our responsibility is to respond to God and others with biblical maturity. It's not imperative whether the blessing is to our liking or even whether we understand it, what it boils down to is there's no cookie-cutter parenting with God. 
I like to use a parenting analogy when I think about such things as blessings because the Father is also a parent to us. As a father, me, as a father, I sometimes choose, here's five options sometimes I choose for my children, and I bet you have done this too. Number one, I choose to bless our children in ways that they might have expected us to bless them when they obeyed, and you've done that too. Number two, I've chosen not to bless them in ways that they might have expected when they obeyed. And I do that intentionally because I don't, you don't want to create this kind of formula in your children's lives. If I do right, I will get good out of it. If you create that kind of formula, then you're going to create legalism, and it, will, it could wreak havoc on their souls, especially how they think about and relate to God as adults. Sometimes we bless our children in ways that they might have expected because they obeyed. Sometimes we don't bless our children in ways that they might have expected when they have obeyed. Number three, to bless them, though they have done nothing good or bad. You just did it. Obedience was not even in the equation. You just blessed them, just cause. God's reign comes down on the just and the unjust. Sometimes you just bless your children, just cause. Number four, Sometimes you bless them by punishing them for their obedience and to punish them for their, I mean, I mean disobedience. You bless them by punishing them for their disobedience, and you want to do that. You want them to understand that there is a penalty. You want to teach them about the gospel. There's wages for sin. And not only does the parenting and punishment help them in this life, but it teaches them about the gospel. And then number five, you bless them by not punishing them for their, their disobedience. There's five different ways that you bless your children. We try to keep in step with the Spirit regarding the kind of blessing we bless our children with, whether they perceive what they get as good for them or not. They don't perceive punishment as being good for them when they're disobedient, and they might not perceive us withholding blessing when they do right as being good for them. I'm aware that I don't do the things that I've just outlined to you correctly all the time. I am a saint who, who sins, but contrarywise, God never makes a mistake in how he administers his blessings to his children. Nevertheless, my hope is not to confuse or frustrate my children. And I have no desire to keep them guessing or on their P's and Q's. That would be unkind and manipulative. I respond in different ways at different times to my different children because I love them, and cookie-cutter parenting is not ever the best parenting model. My love and affection for them and the blessings I administer to them are not measured out just because they obey me. You could say that we dispense eclectic blessings based on how we believe God wants us to respond to them with the hope that it will motivate them to follow Christ. In all of this, in the title of the podcast, by the way, why and how does God bless us? I've talked about this from, from several different angles, and I want to close with this thought. I think it is best to rejoice when we receive enjoyable things from the hand of God. Just rejoice when God does things that you really like, rather than trying to equate his lavishing upon you 
as something you merited, just rest and rejoice in his mercy at that moment. And conversely, I think when things are not as enjoyable, you should seek to see God working in your life. You see, God does not waste pain. And though it might not feel like a blessing at the moment, it is a kindness from the Lord that he would engage you where you need it the most. This kind of mystery can be a frustratingly hard lesson to learn, especially when things are not going our way. And we see no desirable change as we peer into the future. We look out in the future and our life is not changing at all and we can be so frustrated at the mystery of it all, why God is not blessing us. Job wallowed in this kind of misery for a long time. Even though he had a God-centered perspective on suffering at the beginning of his ordeal, he finally came to the conclusion at the end of the first chapter. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. In these challenging times in which we are living, Christians should seek to express more mature and faith-filled gratitude to God. A response like what Job gave here will not come easy. And if it does happen, it will more than likely come through many tears. Our goal is to rejoice and to rest in the life that we have as God is writing the narrative of our lives. We don't want to get so hung up. If, if I do right, God will do right. If I do bad, God will do bad. That will wreak havoc on your soul. If you want to talk about any of these things, I would love to chat with you. Come to our website, jump on our forums, and let's talk. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.